This morning is Palm Sunday, and so we're going to look at Luke chapter 19. If you have a Bible with you or the Bible app open, go ahead and get it ready. Maybe you've been to a parade. None of us have been to one recently, but we hope to be able to do so again. When I was a young man growing up in Southern California, one of the things that was just a mainstay, it was something that happened every single New Year's Day, was the Tournament of Roses Parade that goes on in Pasadena. Uh, downtown Pasadena every single year. It's one of the largest parades in the world. It is watched in more than 75 countries. Uh, more than a million people line the streets of downtown Pasadena to watch that parade. And just for that moment, downtown Pasadena, the night after New Year's Eve of all things, is transformed into a different kind of place. It doesn't smell like alcohol and all sorts of other crazy, interesting smells of the time. It now smells like roses, and you see the little kids going around, and they're looking at, at a big floating rose thing of Elmo or Barney going down the street, and everybody's pointing and ooing and eyeing and holding each other, and everybody's kind of packed in there watching this go by. We love parades. We love good parades, but right now, no parades. No parades, no opportunity to gather together into ooh and ah at some of the things that we usually do, big floating objects in the sky or rose floats going down the street. We have a different kind of parade to watch this morning. It's one that doesn't look particularly impressive to the average person. But there were some who got it. It was a carpenter from Nazareth riding on a donkey very unimpressive, and yet they for just a moment saw what God wanted us to see, that he was no ordinary person, and that what he was riding upon was not just a donkey, that this moment was something that people had looked for for hundreds and hundreds of years, that moment when God's promises would be fulfilled in him. So will you go to the parade with me today since we can't do anything else? Would you go to this parade with me? We call it Palm Sunday. When the church all around the world gets together, when we remember when our Savior rode into Jerusalem, we remember it with an entire week actually called Holy Week. And this is the beginning. This is when the starter's gun goes off. And of course, the crescendo is Easter Sunday. But we don't want to rush there too quickly. So today, if you would, read with me. This is Luke chapter 19, verses 36 to 40. The text says, As he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the, to the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he said, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. There are a couple of things I want us to notice about this story. The first one's this. Jesus is clearly a different kind of king. I don't know how many kings you've ever met in your life. I haven't met any. Maybe you've met more, maybe you've met less, or maybe you're not familiar with the concept of kings at all because we don't have one here in the United States of America. But I know some of our friends who are watching overseas are familiar with what a king is and how just grandiose everything usually surrounding a king is. They have 
thrones, they have a, an entourage, they have all of this fancy stuff, and then here comes Jesus, who they're claiming is the king, and he's riding on a donkey. A donkey. See, the Bible claims about him, he's not just a king either, that he's supposed to be king of kings. He isn't the king, though, who needs the splendor of riches and strength to make him seem kingly. He's different. He's different, and his followers are different as a result. So as we stand here by the roadside watching the parade, the crowds are beginning to gather, the dust begins to settle, and here he comes. He's on this donkey riding into the city, bathing in the praise of the masses on the road to glory on the back of a donkey. I mean, it strikes me as a little bit almost uh, pathetic, if you will. Perhaps it comes off me to off to me as pathetic or ridiculous because my vision of who Christ is maybe needs some maturing. See, to my flesh, real kings don't ride into town on a donkey. They come in, if they're going to ride a horse, it should be like a stallion or something very, very impressive. They don't, kings don't drive Kias, they drive Bentleys. I mean, were Jesus alive today, I might look and just want to make sure that I could write a check or do something to help him out, make sure that he had proper transportation into Jerusalem because nobody is going to believe that you're actually a king if that's how you show up to the party, if you know what I'm saying. It isn't, you know, uh, oh, he doesn't arrive at the pomp and the circumstance of the other kings. He arrives in just the most perfect way. That if we hear and we're able to listen to what the scriptures are teaching us about who he is and all along watching what he's done, who he is, how he shines so brightly by being so more, much more ordinary, if you will, it makes him all the more remarkable. Let me ask you something very personal. Have you ever in your deepest places maybe wished for a different kind of king? I don't mean that you wish Jesus wasn't your king, but maybe rather that a different Jesus was your king. Because it's so easy to project false images of God uh, onto different things that, that we worship. To make for ourselves a king who we can worship rather than to worship Christ as our king. People have seen the, the significance of the donkey I've been talking about in a lot of different ways. G.K. Chesterton called the donkey the devil's walking parody of four-footed things. Martin Luther saw the donkey as a symbol of Christ himself. He said this. He said, look at him, Jesus. He sits on a donkey, which is no war animal, but which is ready for burdens of work that will help human beings. Therefore, he shows that he does not come to terrify people, to drive or oppress them, but to help them, to carry their burdens and take them on himself. And so whether it's Luther or Chesterton or whomever, everybody seems to be in agreement that the horse that he rides in on is not particularly fancy. Little girls don't dream about going to the prom on a donkey. The Kentucky Derby is not a donkey race. They are not impressive. And so I'm not going to suggest that the donkey is somehow analogous to what we're called to be as Christians per se. Some have said that. Maybe we're more like the Pharisees who really don't want this particular thing to go on at this moment. Maybe we're those who are standing around saying, hey, this isn't appropriate. Just keep all the hype down. Tell your disciples to be quiet, they say. But Jesus reminds them that some things simply must be said. And apparently that includes, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. This parade is not going to be postponed by their 
oh, cynicism or their sense of propriety. Jesus says, in fact, get this, that if the disciples don't do it, the rocks will. Because he's different. He's not the kind of king that you just simply choose, okay, I'm just not going to praise him or whatever. He says, okay, if you don't, the rocks will. The rocks will cry out. Because he is not primarily some sort of life coach who's here to help us hone or, or uh, hone our form in the things that we do on a daily basis. Jesus is 100% king, 100%. Humble enough to ride on a donkey, but glorious enough to make rocks belt out, hallelujah, and to do it by the millions. He is loving enough to weep over all we could be, like he will do in just a moment, but he's strong enough to create and sustain the world itself. He is more worthy than a trillion hallelujahs, more present than the air that we breathe. He is our king and no rock should have to take our place in giving him the glory that he deserves. And so Palm Sunday reminds us that God will provide a witness though every single mouth be stopped. Opposition to Christian witness cannot possibly succeed because the truth will come out, either out of my mouth or out of the rock's mouths. It can't be silenced forever. And so that's challenge to us that this story gives us here on Palm Sunday, that if we find ourselves in the, the seat of the disciples on this occasion, that our job is to give God glory, not just kind of, you know, through osmosis out there or feel things about him and not, but actually to say it, to say praise God, to say, blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord, to say, Hosanna, to say he is our king. So then the parade takes a strange turn. Just as Jesus enters the city, the weirdest thing happens. Look at what Luke says, Luke 19, 41 to 44. When he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. He wept over it saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another because you didn't know the time of your visitation." Now, what in the world is happening here? He's riding in to Jerusalem to great fanfare. Everybody is praising him as the king. But as he rides in, instead of basking in all the grandeur that's there, he weeps over the city. And he says the reason is that the city itself, itself doesn't know the things that make for peace. And he says, there's a day coming when this city's going to lie in ruins. And he says, the reason is you didn't recognize, you didn't know the time of your visitation, meaning you didn't know that the Messiah was right here in your midst. He's saying and weeping because they missed it. They missed it. Jesus weeps because they still don't see it. Oh, there's one little parade going on there in the city. But by and large, people are missing it. The Pharisees are saying, well, who's making all the noise, basically? There's just this terrible moment here. It's very poignant that Jesus is sad when he should be happy because they aren't open-eyed. They don't yet know the one who is right there in their midst. 
that everything that they'd prayed for for generations upon generations upon generations is right there in front of them. Palm Sunday, which this passage teaches us, is a monument to our amnesia. It's a monument to human fickleness. And while Jesus' love never fails, we seem to have the capacity to throw down palm branches and shout praise one day, and then just four days later, be invisible when he needs a witness. Four days later, Jesus will be arrested. His own disciples are going to scatter, refusing to admit that they even know him. How quickly we forget. And so the difference between Palm Sunday and Thursday when he is arrested is really just a matter of hours and a few days. But didn't it teach us so much about our, the nature of how we respond to God? So sisters and brothers, we need to remember this. We need to remember what happens right here in this moment. We are in the middle of a once-in-a-lifetime crisis. I don't need to recount for you what all the challenges are. We've got job challenges. We're trapped in our houses. We've got economic challenges, anxiety challenges, perhaps family life challenges, a whole bunch of other things going on right now. And I wonder, I have to ask myself, when God has brought me through this, yet again, he's brought me through something. Am I going to remember? Am I going to remember? Will I remember what he taught me in these days? Will I remember the grace that he showed me? Will I remember his deliverance? Will I remember that I, for the, those around me that found it hard to be together because they, they didn't even realize that they had forgotten how to be together, but they remembered and they saw it. Will they remember that? Will we remember that? Will we remember what it was like to give up human contact? Will we remember how Jesus' people helped see us through these times in the name of Jesus. See, Jesus weeps for Jerusalem because they're missing it and their memory is just so short. Instead, they're going about their business, missing it. So Jesus is weeping for what might have been. He sees it in advance. He sees this isn't going to last. And for all of the beauty of what's going on right there as people are laying the palm branches down, there's a whole other city on the outside that's missing it. And then even those who today are shouting Hosanna will be shouting crucify him just later that week. Tears are a part of who Jesus is. He's not angry in this scene. His heart is broken. And thus tears are a part of the tissue of all of us who follow Jesus, who look out at what's going on and we say, along with Jesus, oh, if you'd only known. And then we go back to right before then when He's saying, look, if they don't say it, the rocks will cry out. And when I put them together here on this Palm Sunday, I say, the rocks aren't going to cry out today. Today, I'm going to say it. Today, I'm going to praise him. And to the best of my ability, I'm going to do this as often as I can. I am going to remember what he's done for me. That's what we celebrate every week when we take communion. We take something that looks very insignificant. It's kind of like a donkey or something, but it's insignificant. A little piece of unleavened bread, a little bit of juice and, or wine in a cup. And we just call it back to mind. 
It reminds us of who he is. It reminds us of who we are. It reminds us of all the blessings of Christ. And it gives us a chance on a weekly basis to stay Hosanna. To honor him for who he is. No virus can cancel this parade. <laughs> Not the one that says, praise Jesus, our king. So here on Palm Sunday, we're going to take communion together. And I hope that as we do, that your heart will be filled with praise. That no rock will take your place today, or any day for that matter, because he's worthy. Let us pray. Almighty God, we pray on this Palm Sunday that Jesus enter into our lives as he entered into Jerusalem to words of welcome and praise. May the power of Christ dwell within us, set our hearts on fire, cause a commotion in our souls and enable us to choose to be with Christ even when the cheering stops. Expand our memories. Help us to remember all that he has done for us. Through the days ahead, open us up to insight and change so the week becomes truly holy for every one of us. Overturn our wrongdoings as Jesus overturned the money changers' tables. Wither our selfishness as Jesus withered the fig tree that bore no fruit. Expose our failings as the course of events. Expose those of betraying Judas, denying Peter, doubting Thomas. We begin this week with anticipation, O oh God, for the old story becomes new again as we capture your vision of what can be. Surprise us, we pray. Focus us. Fill us with wonder at a servant savior, a donkey rider, washer of feet, one who gave all for us, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.